What are the secrets of those extraordinary individuals that have achieved extraordinary success? Listen to their stories, discover their knowledge bursts, make those connections. Get ready. It's time to start moving forward. Hey, John Lim here. We've got a great episode today. We're moving forward with Phil Singleton. He's a web designer, SEO expert, and award-winning author. He is also the founder of Podcast Bookers, a service that helps marketers and executives get booked on established podcasts to build their authority, brand presence, and improve their SEO. How are you today, Phil? I'm psyched and really happy to be here. Thank you so <laughs> Likewise. much. Likewise. I mean, Phil, you do some pretty amazing things. So I'm curious. I mean, where did it all start? Tell our listeners a little bit about your backstory. It's such an unconventional path. You know, I, I went love to those. School. <laughs> well, I, I went to school thinking I was going to be like, you know, working on Wall Street. Uh-huh. And I went uh, up to school in the Northeast. I studied uh, finance. I rolled out of school. Didn't quite get into New York City, but uh, – I started working for an insurance company in there in something called um, their bond department, basically. Oh, wow. Okay. I was there for um, three, almost four years, I think. It, okay. But it was one of these um, soul-crushing cubicle jobs. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, it was like so, on one I mean, hand, like, I was, You come out of college and you're working in insurance. I mean, I, I, and I actually used to practice insurance laws, so I, I, I feel your pain. So what, what was going through your mind as you were going to work each day? What, in one hand, the economy wasn't great, so being able to step out uh, you know, yeah. off the graduation carpet into sure. a job, I was really thankful. But it's, when you're not happy what you're doing, I mean, you know, the days go really long. And I think I was there at one point. It just dawned on me, like I'm looking around, seeing guys that had been there for 20, 30 years. Wow. And you start getting into a job, and you feel like you're accumulating. I felt like I was getting these skill sets, and I was basically getting pulled somebody else down somebody else's destiny. Ugh. Like, you know, I'm trapped type of a deal. I really got to make a big move here to change the trajectory of my you know, career and my destiny, basically. So I, I guess I had lost my mind um, at one point. At least that's wow. what my parents and my friends thought. I, I ended up packing my – quit my job, sold everything in the course of a two-week period, and moved to Asia. Oh my gosh, I, wow, that's really Where did you move to? Taipei, Taiwan. I wanted wow. to go to China back then, but this is going over 20 years ago. Yeah, yeah. It just wasn't it wasn't like, you know, I think you know, I figured out if I went to Taiwan, but, I could still so study Mandarin. I, I've got to ask, I mean, did you always have you had you visited Taiwan before? Did you decide this on the spur of the moment or is it a, a country that you you kind of had in the back of your mind throughout the whole time? I guess there's a little bit of inside of me that was one, you know, had an adventurous spirit. But I'll say two things when I think back at this. One, buddy of mine in college was a twin. His twin brother um, was stayed and had a semester abroad in Japan. I thought that just sounded like the coolest thing. Wow, yeah. Um, and then my father, he worked for a theater chain basically his entire career. Oh, and at wow. that period of time, they were growing a lot in Asia. He was traveling a lot to Hong mm-hmm. Kong and China, going places way back when. And some of those trips, I think, really made an impression on me hearing about that kind of stuff. So some, and I was thinking back then, hey man, China's like, even back then you thought it's a lot of potential there. So maybe studying Mandarin and out there, I could basically do something cool and maybe yeah. have an international career. And I thought, you know, Japan kind of was already really mature, uh, but um, China was up and coming. So I, I basically picked a language at that time. I think I had that much foresight, and 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 I was like set on going to to, um, to China, but I was like, I can't do it at this point. Uh, so I went to Taipei, Taiwan, where you get a little bit. It was much more, you know. Easier transition. How did your parents um, react when you they decided? They hated it. They what? Thought, literally, I thought, "What's what's? Are you okay?" And it probably was a little bit of me yeah. just like freaking out. But I was like, "I got to, I got to go on adventure and do something else." And and I did that. And they, you know, ever since I went, I went there. I studied Chinese for two years. Ended up coming back at my MBA, um, and then got a job right after I graduated and went right back to Taiwan. So I was there like another eight years. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but the first stint there, I actually ended up meeting my now wife. Who's oh, from wow. Taiwan, oh, that's great. There's a 10-year period that I went there, and I went this. It's one of those deals where it's just corporate thing wasn't for me or the job that I was yeah. in. I was like, I don't want to be trapped here and doing this and trapped in a skill set type of a thing. Um, and, and back then, you know, the cool thing about what today, as I look at it, it's like, that's a great period of time to be a younger person mm-hmm. where you can actually get a skill set and work at a job and maybe start you know, paying the bills. But we didn't have like the gig economy back then. Yeah. Yeah. You couldn't be doing stuff and gigging at night and kind of figuring out where your passion is, what you're good at, making extra money on the weekends and stuff. That would have been so awesome. Back then, it was kind yeah. of like you had to jump out into the world without a safety net type of thing and try something. Where um, I, I might have done something maybe along those lines to try and break free, um, but I ended up just kind of moving. And it really, I had absolutely no regrets. It was awesome. Yeah, my parents tried to get me back ever since I went went yeah. there, but oh, I think now they look back and say that's cool that I went because I have absolutely no regrets. And yeah. it's basically put me on the path to where I where I am today. Well, talk um, a little bit about that path. So you started out in finance, you worked in insurance, you, you left the country. So how did that lead you to doing what you're doing today? So the job that I got out of grad school was with kind of a hybrid, I would call almost, it was kind of in the, in the go-go days of the pre-IPO stuff. Mm-hmm. So I actually got sent back to Taiwan and Taipei, Taiwan to try and like pitch and sell investment, op- pre, you know, IP, you know, .com investment opportunities to Asian investors that were looking for basically strategic investments into North America. So mm-hmm. really, and I was just one of these guys, like, you know, I wasn't, didn't obviously didn't have any money at the time. I was kind of one of the guys that kind of prepped deals, ended up help pitching it. And I was fluent in, th- in uh, Chinese and that helped really open a lot of doors when you can go in there and be a Westerner kind of say, Hey, I've got this thing about this deal to pitch you. And of course it was back then. So that, so that was a great opportunity to go back and, and learn a lot and uh, make a lot of connections um, in a different um, culture. But what ended up happening, long story short, is towards the end of my stint in Taiwan, after the, the dot-com era kind of popped, I ended up still doing kind of my own you know, um, consulting, basically. and ended up having this software, consumer software company that was in the U.S. essentially just kind of fall on my lap. Mm-hmm. And it, the name of the company was called DVDX Copy. They made this DVD backup software. Oh for yeah, DVD. yeah, I think I remember but, that. Yeah, that? yeah, it was kind of like remember Napster when they had their problem. Yeah, well, yeah. DVDX Copy was kind of the digital copying. You know, and then so they did great. I think the last year of sales they had was like two hundred million dollars. Wow. This is back in the early two thousands. But essentially, Hollywood Studios came after them. Um, there was a two year battle where they sold the crap out of the software. Um, but then they ended up Hollywood ended up winning, and what ended up happening because I was in Taiwan helping this company with some strategic partnerships, mm-hmm. and it was still legal to sell this kind of stuff around the world in terms of um, fair use laws until Hollywood went and lobbied the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just at the right place at the right time. The guys we set up shop there, invested the money, I hired people, I ended up having like twenty five people that I ran, and we were I was basically keeping the show going after they pushed them out of the state. So really awesome opportunity for me. I think when they told me, hey, Phil, you're going to be running a company, I was like, oh, that's really cool. Um, but I also had a little bit of pee running down my leg. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, jeez. Um, but I took, I literally took the bull by the horns. I was yeah. like, man, I can't, I'm going to do this. Because, you know, when I, when I got out of school, I did battle backstory. I was a very, um, very little confidence, very high anxiety person. I couldn't really talk to people very well. In fact, I remember like trying to even talk in presentations where I just would clam up and wow. I would start sweating profusely. Um, and, and somehow now you're on a podcast talking about exactly. it. It's pretty awesome. What ended up happening is when I went to Taiwan and went there and set up my own career and learned a language and learned to thrive and adapt in another culture, somewhere along the line, I ended up getting you know a lot of confidence. So that yeah. that's kind of the backstory of a lot of how that happened. Part of that's probably just life life learning and things like that. Yeah. But I went from the scared little guy to somebody who now thinks I can probably do too many things. <laughs> that's great. Well, let's talk about some of those things. I mean, web design, SEO expert. So uh, let's fill in a little bit. How did you end up in that niche? 
So the software company that kind of fell into my lap, I saw back then, this is going back more than 15 years ago, that most of our sales were coming through online, basically affiliate marketers, right? Mm-hmm. So folks that were had the precursors to blogs and maybe forums and stuff that have a banner up on their website, they click through to our website. The big affiliates back then, again, this is a lot being driven by Google even back then, and we were giving the big affiliates like 50% of sales. So here I was running this little company. Um, and I was writing checks to people for fifty, sixty, eighty thousand dollars a month. Ooh, wow! Meanwhile, we're getting fifty percent of the sale. I yeah. got investors, you know, I whittled down to almost nothing. So at that point in time, I was like, "Wow, Google is super powerful." They had a stranglehold on the on the digital purchase process way back then, and now it's kind of morphed into it's just part of the economy. I think. Right. Um, but that's really was the point where it really opened my eyes, and I said, "Wow, I got to really study this and figure it out." And back then, there was no like real SEO experts. It's like, how does this work? You ask like the graphic designer head in the house or the IT guy, there wasn't like Moz or all these places where you right. can go right now and get up to speed with SEO or books and stuff where you can get up to speed of uh, SEO in no time. But that was the point where I was like, okay, I followed the ROI trail. I kind of know where I want to be um, because I can see this is kind of how the future of, of digital is going to go. What we end up doing is I'm that end of that 10th year in Taiwan, moved back to Taiwan, Kansas City of all places because we'd come back to visit. My wife really liked it. I wanted to go to the West Coast. She liked it here where I have family roots. We planted our roots here. When up happening is kind of just hung around for the first few months ended up buying a house it was an, when we sold that company it was a nice payday but it wasn't like buy an island retire forever type of thing right um, so i'm gonna get to buy a house and do some things we weren't able to do in asia but what ended up happening is bought a used car fixed it up and i talked to this guy who was an auto detailer and i said man you should get your own website ah. stop Stop selling. And I didn't know what I was doing again. But at this point, I was like, I had confidence. I was brimming with confidence. I figured I could do. But I ended up having this. I told this guy, I said, hey, barter me on this deal. I'll figure out how to, you know, set up a website for you, and um, you can stop selling auto detailing jobs to dealerships for twenty five dollars a car, and maybe start selling them direct for two hundred and fifty dollars a car. People can find you online. I did. And I figured, hey, I'm going to do this for this guy. I had no idea how to build a website at that time, even though I had been involved with the software company and seen some of this stuff, never done any hands-on. Sure. So I rolled up yeah. my sleeves, and I figured, even if I can't do this, I'm going to hire somebody and just pay out of so pocket you, to do you, it. you did the leap off the cliff and build the wings on the way down. I absolutely love it. I totally it. <laughs> did. I totally did. And I, and I think I tried to figure out how to do it in Dreamweaver. I ended up settling on Microsoft Front Page, which is now defunct. I made the world's ugliest one-page purple <laughs> and yellow auto-detailing website. Um, but 60 days later, man, this guy calls me up and he says, Phil, I don't know what you've done. You changed my business. You've changed my life. Wow. Oh, and that, that moment, I still remember it. I was like, okay, I'm in my mid-30s at that point. I'm like, I finally know what I want to be when I grow up. You know yeah. what I mean? It was the most professionally <laughs> reporting thing that had ever happened to now, me. Now, Phil, let's go back in time. You're in college. You're studying finance. You're studying numbers. You, you hate giving speeches and presentations. Did you ever imagine this is what you would end up doing? I got a D in computer. I almost flunked out of computer science in college. So if that, if that tells you anything, I mean, so no, I didn't. I hated computers, man. I remember yeah. I still have to this day where I had a computer in, in our class. My computer, the guy that we had in the lab class, we um, we turned off the computer and told him we thought the monitor was broken. Wow. <laughs> that, that, was our, like, that was our final exam, basically. Oh, That's how bad it was. Pretty funny story. That, I actually make a good living hilarious. on computers now and almost didn't make it through, through a course uh, I, in college. I, I absolutely love it. So, Phil, if you had to boil it down, it sounds like that, that – I love that story of you working with that, with that mechanic and that auto shop. So if you had to distill it, what would you say is your big why today? Why um, – why in terms of why I went down this path? or Yeah, what you do today. What is your big purpose? What's your big why? 
I think that's it. I think you know when when I when that when I heard that this guy's voice on the phone when he told me I had changed his business mm-hmm. and I changed my life. It was one of these things where it was like, you know, I can do this and I knew I could make money at it, but I could also help small businesses. And to yeah. me, at that point, you know, when you go back looking back in terms of okay, I worked at a at a um, insurance company. I was literally miserable sitting in a cubicle. The time went by so slow watching the clock to now I get up. It's like Christmas every day where I'm super <laughs> motivated. And there's certain things about you know what you're doing, which sure. it's, it's, not every job is totally you – know, but it's it's different. It's it's waking up motivated doing what you love. And for me, I kind of found that in terms of, hey, I can work with these businesses. I can help them grow and I can become partners. And that's the part that fuels me in terms of keeping me motivated. I right? So that, I that's it. I absolutely love it. So, Phil, what would you say – I mean that's a great big why. I mean you're helping small businesses, especially – I. And again, the story with the auto shop and the, the mechanic, I absolutely love it. What is the biggest challenge you face today in achieving your goal? I think it's me, basically. I think I'm in a classic, um, you know, my e-myth type of a situation where it's, you know, if you're doing SEO for somebody, we get out a little bit. It's a talent-based type of a deal where there's certain things you can do to, I think, increase your ranking potential on Google and digital in general. But part of it at the really competitive level, it, there's an art to it, and it's really hard to kind of um, scale that piece of it out. So what I mean by that is I almost kind of have to be involved in the strategy and part of managing some of the execution of it. So it's hard for me to scale or find a way to scale, and part of me doesn't want to because mm. it's like I don't want to lose that piece where yeah. I see a lot of these agencies get bigger and bigger, and they lose touch with their clients. And if you can't be in that advisory role – I think it's real hard for you to succeed in, in the type of um, you know, work that we do for folks. And uh, Phil, let's back up a little bit. For our listeners, uh, again, I, I love what you do, but let's clarify for our listeners, what exactly is SEO? And, and speak to our listeners as if you're speaking to one of your clients, maybe a small business that really isn't familiar with the, with the acronym or the terminology. So in the traditional sense, SEO stands for search engine optimization, right? And mm-hmm. a search engine is essentially the search engines, which you could say is Bing and Google and some of the other ones. But essentially, when we talk about SEO and search engine, we're talking about Google because they're the 800-pound gorilla right. and have the vast majority of the you know, search engine traffic. So when we talk about SEO, search engine optimization, it really relates to anything that you do um, with your web, pre- web presence, but specifically to maybe your own website in terms of trying to optimize it so that it has a higher chance to rank when people search for terms on Google for the things that you're looking for in terms of selling in terms of products or services or the types of searches you'd like to get hits on. So that's what SEO stands for. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And so let me let me uh, kind of walk you down this path. So you're explaining this to a small business. Do, do you ever find it a hard conversation to have? I mean, I know, you know, having worked with some small businesses before, they say, oh, that uh, all sounds great, but I've really got to focus on keeping the lights on and, you know, paying the bills. And I really just don't have time to mess with that stuff. I think um, there's a little bit of that, but I think more and more people are kind of starting to understand, like we're talking about at the beginning, that it's really hard to avoid the way people yeah. buy things these days. They're looking for stuff online. So they'll get it. The referral marketing's changed. We hear about people on social media through our parents or friends. A lot of people are going to file that up and kind of look and do their own research type of a stuff. So I think more and more people are starting to understand, hey, um, you know, search engine optimization, Google's really important. But what I think a lot of people don't understand is they think that re- search engine results just kind of happen. <laughs> yeah. And it's like a magic thing. <laughs> yeah. It's like they don't, it, there, there's really, 
really no un- real realization that there's things you could be doing on your website that can vastly intri- in- increase the chances that you'll actually show up. Um, and they're no- they don't just happen. People are doing things to make it happen, and, and a lot of it's actually pretty straightforward. So you know, telling people, I think, what it is and why it's important, I think that's pretty easy to explain once you show them, hey, here's Google, here's a Google search and that type of deal. But I think people do think still to this day that it's kind of a black art type of a thing. And then you start talking about um, the things that moved the needle in the past. SEO has changed a lot. Yeah, yeah, Six or seven years. But it used to be about, you know, these magical kind of under the hood little tweaks and gray hat, black hat things you do on your website. And then also off page things where you try and drive a lot of third party backlinks that click from one website back to your website and Mm -hmm. just get as many of those as possible. That drove SEO for the first like 15 years of its existence. Now it's totally completely changed now. Um, but I think people, if they know anything, they still think of it that way. It's like, ah, these cold calling SEO guys that are going to try and do some tricks and it might work for a little while. It might hurt me. It might work. Or, and they just kind of, once you start talking about it a little bit, they kind of close their, you know, tune out basically. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, great, great share. Well, Phil, are you ready for the knowledge burst session? Let's do it. All right. Well, I want to keep on this train because I think this is a, a great conversation for our moving forward listeners. So I'd like you to share with our listeners one great tip for organically increasing your visibility and your SEO. Well, the big thing for one is just to make sure you look at your website with open eyes and don't think of it in terms of a digital brochure. Think of it as your marketing hub for you as a personal brand mm-hmm. or um, as you as your company. I think we all have to understand that we should be using our website as an archive for all of our best content. Because what ends up happening for a lot of folks these days is they, if they do anything to their website, they put their best content on somebody else's platform where it kind of goes through the real-time um, river and then kind of fades away yeah. and never, become, never becomes a chance to answer somebody else's question. Because Google doesn't answer, you know, serve up Facebook posts. It serves up web pages that are somebody else. So what we want to do is make sure that we look at our website, you know, we to the extent that we can optimize it and maybe work work in um, keywords that we think are obviously maybe important to our business, but also make sure that you use your website as a referral source for anything you're doing online. So don't just post it up on Facebook. Post it on your website in terms of a, maybe an image or, or for example, a you know, podcast episode or like you like you do, John, already, um, and that kind of stuff. And then share it out so people have to come back right yeah. to your website and it becomes – and then all of a sudden now – that web page it becomes part of the part of internet history right where it can be looked up and become an answer to somebody's problem uh, or question on the internet and that's the first thing the second thing i would tell people the, i think the biggest uh, takeaway should be do a search for google quality evaluator guidelines oh. this is a free pdf document that google gives away okay um, that tells you how they train their army of independent contractors called quality raters that actually go and manually check Google search results. So this to me is like a fascinating thing that's That's out there. It's really interesting. It's it's an open secret, but what's cool about this document that you read is it's, they're training, these are lay people. These aren't like, it's not like they're trying to train engineers or rocket scientists to figure out how this algorithm works. It's basically like, here's what you need to look at on a page to determine these these things and the the things that they talk about, and I'll give you the three most important ones right now. Yeah, is an acronym called EAT. They tell the quality ragers the most important thing you want to look on a website or a web page is expertise, authority, and trust. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, and then they go through this document and say, what does that mean? Well, it means, hey, if you go to a website, you want to make sure you know who authored it. You see phone numbers. You see address. You see testimonials. You'll see things like award badges or badges to places in associations and things like that. Blog posts, um, all the types of things that maybe grow out the page and show people that they're an authority or have the expertise in terms of the the search that you were looking for. So I think this document's really cool because it's written in layman's terms. And even if you just read like the first one or two, not even the first one or two chapters, if you read the first two pages of it, or essentially like the breakdown of the um, table of contents, it really opens your eyes in terms of the things that Google is looking for. Because we talked about before, okay, first 15 years of Google's existence, they really looked at under-the-hood gray hat stuff on your website and um, lots of link building. Well, the things that move the needle for Google today are great content on your website, continuing investing in great content on your website, looking for things like social media participation for your brand, um, reputation management, like you're getting reviews in different places yes. and those kind of things. So all of a sudden, you start looking at what Google's grading on this on this this document that you look at, it starts to look like holistic digital marketing yeah. that's just centered on your website. <laughs> I, it's fa- I mean, it's fascinating. Yeah. So that's all we do right now is we basically build websites that are based on the Google Quality Raiders guidelines and make sure that we do it in an SEO mindset so that everything ties back and it's not just randomly shot out into the web. I love it. Great, great share. Phil, what is your favorite productivity app or tool that you use to manage everything that you do? My very, if I had to give up everything today and still kind of be able to do my job, you said productivity, so I have to kind of boil this down a little bit. Um, I'm going to say that my favorite tool for me being productive has to be a SEO tool called Ahrefs. Mm-hmm. And uh, share with our listeners a little bit about it. This is a tool where you can plug in your own URL or your competitor's URL and essentially kind of see all the things that's powering it on the web. So you can see social engagement. You can see their backlink profile. um, You can see things like traffic. Um, One of the things that I really like to see is you – they give you this metric called traffic value, which essentially says of the traffic you're getting on your website, they essentially give you – a value that's based in AdWords pay-per-click value. So they'll say, okay, Phil, your web your website, kcwebdesigner.com, has $25,000 a month, let's say, in organic traffic value, which means that's what it would cost you if you had to pay Google wow. in AdWords to get that organic value. It's a great metric to see if the things that you're doing from a whole digital sense, because it kind of ties everything together, and it's calculating ta- um, traffic and also um, organic rankings. And um, that's the kind of things that we like to look at every day for ourselves and our own clients. And I think it's a great, like, kind of a, you know, benchmark um, in terms of your whole digital marketing effort. So if I had to give everything up, I think I could still do my job, although it would be tough because you, know <laughs> you know how it is with these tools. Yeah, all, absolutely. We've all, there's no way you could do one anymore. <laughs> but that's a very, that sounds like a very powerful one. Really, really love that one. For an SEO guy, that's it. Yeah. 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 Phil, share with our listeners, what is one small choice or activity that you're going to make today to move forward? I am going to, um, well, one of the things I'll teach you a recent struggle is, you know, we're a small company, seven people, um, very hard for me to let go because I'm kind of a control freak in this way. (laughs) What I really want to do is make sure that I, everybody that deals with us has an outstanding customer um, experience. Mm-hmm. Now they can say we did this or we failed, but hey, nobody can come. I've had a couple of episodes where you know if somebody's come back or left the company, and I'm hearing like they did the previous customers did not have the greatest experience. It's you asked me this, and I felt it's on topic. Where I've had a few things come up in the last couple of weeks. It's been very tough to hear, man. When you hear kind of a customer come oh, back yeah. and say, 
Um, they're happy that this other person left because they felt mistreated. And when you hear that three, four, five, six times, man, it really makes you question everything. So um, I think just in terms of for me being able to step forward from today to move forward really is to kind of you know make sure that um, the, the, the cultural things that I think are important – because I think when you hire somebody or work with somebody – they think their jobs is their job, but to me, that's almost like secondary. It's creating happy customer experiences is the minimum. I mean, we have to do that no matter what, um, and that's the one thing I think I've really tried to focus on th- this part of this year, and especially even this week, to move forward is to really, um, really focus on that and make sure everybody that you deal, I deal with, um, you know, understands that, that this is the most important thing of all. Absolutely. Hey, Moving Forward listeners, you can find links to many of the books and resources mentioned by today's guest, along with offers to try out Audible and Amazon Prime. These are affiliate links for which I receive a small commission, which helps the podcast and is greatly appreciated. You can find these on the write-up for today's episode at bemovingforward.com. Phil, ready to do a little time travel? Let's do it. All right. We're going to step into a time machine. We're going to step ahead five years from today. You're going to meet future Phil. Tell me who he is. He's somebody that has hopefully overcome. I'm not going to say hopefully. He's somebody that has overcome um, his ability to scale and stepped away from his agency and brought on the right person or people to kind of have maybe a little bit more of a passive um, role in it so that he has been able to pursue a couple of other ideas that he's had in the background um, to launch those. Uh, Because up until this time, bread and butter for me has really been local Kansas City and kind of some regional type things. Writing a book and doing some other things has opened the doors, not set up at this time really to to been able to capitalize on on some national opportunities. And um, five years from now, that's what what Phil will have mastered is being able to kind of scale his business um, by by um, being able to come outside of the current market. I love it, absolutely love it. Phil, how can our listeners connect with you and learn about all the great work that you're doing? I'd love for people to check out our book SEOforgrowth.com. Um, you can get it up on Amazon too, but if you go to the our site and use your Amazon number, we've got a great uh, free bundle that's probably worth more than the book from some oh, great, great authors. Um, and then also check out KCWebDesigner.com, and that's kind of the little website that could. I'm literally the poster boy for if he can do it, anybody can do it. You know, I'm not <laughs> anybody that's I mean, for me. It's made a good living off of off the internet. Who just had no business doing so. Not a graphic designer, not a coder. Yet I have a thriving digital agency. Like I say, that that's just one of those things where if you go check it out and kind of see our story there, that's kcwebdesigner.com. And you mentioned at the start, um, podcast bookers. That's been an initiative. Uh, that's been an initiative I've had because. One of the things I've done since last year was get more involved in trying to do these guesting campaigns. Yeah. The coolest thing about these things is you go out there, and obviously there's all sorts of benefits where you can leverage somebody else's audience, like your great audience. But there's other things that end up happening that are super awesome, right, in terms of a show notes page, earning the type of organic backlinks that help the host and also the guest, but are also done in such a way that the Google wants actually, right? We're not, we're out there earning and creating personal connections, not going out there trying to scam links off sites and that kind of stuff. So there's all sorts of things you can do by developing your own personal branding and establishing yourself as an expert by guesting. You can go through a company like ours. There's other ones, but for a lot of folks, if you're like getting out there, if you're a millennial or you're somebody who's trying to maybe break away from your own um, company, Start now by establishing your own personal brand. Do so with your own website and try and go into 
guesting yourself on smaller podcasts because that's the fastest way, I think, to break into getting yourself from SEO activity, but also to start developing some of that authority where you're out there to be able to um, talk on a certain topic. So those are the three places to see. And thank, I appreciate you giving <laughs> me the opportunity to kind of No, those them. are all fantastic and great, great shares for our listeners. Well, Phil, I'd love to have you close out the show. So what parting wisdom would you like to share with our amazing Moving Forward listeners? Well, my favorite quote of all time is from an unnamed guy from my first job out of school where – I'm going to paraphrase it because he used pirate language, but he basically said <laughs> um, anybody can be a jerk. He used a different word, right. but it takes effort to be a nice guy, and I think that really is how we should – it's helped me out more than anything else. I think yeah. when I was young early on, really easy to be the loose cannon and, and yell back at people, but it really – to grow, I think, and to move forward is to exercise restraint learn from it, forget about it as quickly as you can and move on. And I think that's one of those things that I've, um, those um, sayings, I think, that um, that stuck with me and has really helped. Awesome. I love it. Great, great way to close out the show. Phil, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule to join us today to share some really, really amazing tips on SEO and increasing your brand presence and your visibility so that our listeners can move forward. Thank you so much, Phil. You're the man, John. Really appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. Check it out one more time, bemovingforward.com. Remember, you can follow us on social at bemovingforward, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. Join us next Tuesday for another extraordinary guest. Have a great week. And remember, always be moving forward. Now it's time for you to move forward and unlock the extraordinary in you. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and Bali Solutions, LLC. All rights reserved.